This is Vincenzo Genovese, still just in time to wish you a happy new year. I'm back after the winter break to get you more interviews from Brussels, where I work as a journalist. In the next episodes I'll be looking at how the war in Ukraine has changed the geopolitical scenario of the EU, starting with the bloc's relationship with NATO. It's no secret that one of the consequences of the Russian invasion has been to strengthen NATO roots in Europe. In October 2019, French President Emmanuel Macron said in an interview with The Economist that he was witnessing the brain death of NATO. In his view, the EU was on the edge of a precipice, and in order to be the master of its destiny, it had to start thinking strategically as a geopolitical power. Ursula von der Leyen, the newly appointed president of the European Commission, also had in mind a geopolitical commission, where Europeans would be the shapers of a better global order. However, three years later, these statements seem to belong to different era. It is now undeniable that one of the consequences of the Russian invasion is the strengthening of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization's roots in Europe. A union that relies only on itself, without NATO's shield, is henceforth out of the question. The war in Ukraine has clearly reshuffled the cards in EU security and defense policy. I wanted to know more, so I sought expertise directly from Zach Paikin, EU foreign policy researcher at a Brussels-based think tank, the Center for European Policy Studies, or CEPS. The war in Ukraine has clearly reshuffled the deck in new security and defense policy. It has led to widespread support for improving the bloc's defense capabilities. While its quest for so-called strategic autonomy in defense and security has waned. Right, this debate about EU strategic autonomy has been sort of swept under the rug to a certain extent, um, you know, as a result of this war. Uh, and there's a good reason for that. Um, you know, obviously now, politically speaking, is not the time to be emphasizing a concept that, um, you know, some interpret to mean uh, strategic autonomy from the United States. Um, and therefore, you know, there's the softer language of strategic sovereignty, European strategic sovereignty that we're hearing a lot about. The first and most tangible effect has been the application for NATO membership of two EU member states, Finland and Sweden. When this enlargement process is completed, which the experts say will be later in the spring, there's the broader question of what this will mean for Europe's security order as well. Once Sweden and Finland join NATO, uh, you're going to have a situation where 23 out of 27 uh, EU member states are going to be in NATO. Um, and more than 95% of the population of the EU is going to be in, in NATO. Um, the only countries that are going to be on the outside are going to be Ireland, uh, Austria, uh, Malta, and Cyprus. Uh, and so, you know, uh, even being part of the European Union doesn't mean that you're, that you're you know, neutral anymore as well, right? I mean, you may be militarily neutral in the sense that you're not a member of NATO, but you're certainly not politically neutral because, you, you know, you adhere to the EU's common foreign and security policy. Um, and the EU, of course, as I mentioned, is, is, is br uh, branching out increasingly into the realm of defense as well. The increase of NATO members in the EU, combined with the role played by the Union in the war, basically suggests that there really are not going to be any neutral countries in Europe. 
but rather a sort of east-west divide on the European continent, causing a dangerous security environment in the continent. This new scenario will probably lead to a greater collaboration between the EU and the US-led security organization. This new stage was opened when a new joint declaration, the third in history, was signed in January 2023 by the EU and NATO, setting out a shared vision of how the two blocs will act together against common security threats and stating the full support to Ukraine's right to self-defense. According to the text, NATO and the EU play complementary roles in the framework of Europe defense. Professor Pekin, how clear is this division of roles between the two organizations? This recent agreement between the EU and NATO, this declaration, uh, you know, shows the extent to which the issue remains unresolved because you see in this document, on the one hand, you know, NATO being referenced as being the bedrock of European defense, and that is, you know, an unquestionable uh, sort of unambiguous statement, paired with the, the, the presence in the same statement and in the same clause, in fact, of the fact that, you know, a greater role for the EU in European defense is something that, you know, we value or that we, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, lightly welcome or something. And so it, it shows that there still is certain amounts of, of, of skittishness in certain European capitals, but also in the United States, about the fear of potential duplication of efforts. And so, you know, th these debates are going to continue for some time. The possible overlap and the duplication of defensive force are indeed a debated question in the EU-NATO relationship, which the war in Ukraine has only served to highlight. To clarify this, I walk to the European Parliament, where I met Fabio Massimo Castaldo, an Italian MEP, former Vice President of the Chamber and member of the Committee on Foreign Affairs. He was Vice President of the European Parliament until January 2022 and his positions are shared by many in the Chamber. So, MEP Castaldo, how could the EU and the NATO work together? NATO should continue to be more focused in territorial defense, while on the contrary, European Union will be more focused in developing a solid industrial base uh, with the aim, of course, to reduce the burden and uh, the cost of uh, our investment in defense and to be, again, more efficient and to create more interoperational armed force that will be able to take uh, responsibility on their own, on the European Union direct capacity when it's needed, uh, for example, in some crucial regions like Sahel uh, or the Middle East that are directly affecting and undermining our capacity and our security uh, in, in the medium and short term. In, I think that if there will be a full respect of the specificities and the nature of the two organizations, we will be able really to fulfill the objectives and the interests of the UN NATO at the same time. Even if NATO's interests are not by default also the interests of the EU, MEP Castaldo believes that the Alliance and the European Union could operate hand-in-hand hand on the world stage. However, in his view, the relationship with Turkey, a NATO member state whose ambitions are not aligned with those of the EU, could put a strain on the relation. In fact, the historic move by Finland and Sweden to request NATO membership has been hindered by Turkey. Ankara is threatening to block Sweden's bid, unless Stockholm meets a series of its demands, 
from the extradition of Kurdish figures considered terrorists by the Ankara government to the anger of Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan after a far-right demonstrator set fire to a copy of the Quran outside the Turkish embassy in Stockholm. MP Castaldo, what is your opinion about this? Turkey geopolitically has its own agenda, is not coordinating at all with the rest of the NATO allies and is trying more to build up a sphere of influence in the whole Middle East uh, on its own than to try to uh, create and to establish a fruitful cooperation within the allies. And now they are even trying to blackmail Finland and Sweden, uh, convincing them to uh, withdraw and to send back many political activists and refugees uh, from Kurdistan from the Turkish Kurdistan uh, to bring them back to Turkey in which they can suffer a, even uh, a terrible sentence, eventually even uh, death sentences. This is not acceptable to see members of the European Union blackmailed by a so-called ally that is playing also a very uh, specific role of destabilization. In this specific context of the war in Ukraine, the EU, with all its contradictions, and Turkey seemed to follow a different playbook, according to Castaldo, by pretending to be a mediator in the conflict, President Erdogan keeps a controversial relationship with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin. Somehow uh, Erdogan is uh, keeping excellent ties, inviting the oligarchs to establish themselves in Turkey, uh, trying to foster Russian investment in the countries, and moreover, trying upon all to provide uh, eventually also uh, um, commercial advantages to its own uh, country. But Russia's aggression also vividly questions the EU's aspiration to be a pole in a multipolar world. Professor Pekin, would you say this aspiration has been significantly eroded as a result? I think that there's the risk that the European Union will, you know, as a result of all of these dynamics, uh, not just cooperation with NATO, but certainly deeper cooperation with NATO, that there's a risk that the EU emerges from this war as more of a regional actor and less as a global actor. Uh, and the more that it's perceived that the EU is dependent on NATO, that the EU is dependent on the United States, the less of a, of a you know, geopolitical role the EU will be able to play uh, uh, you know, in the Indo-Pacific and perhaps elsewhere as well. It is not clear yet whether closer cooperation between the EU and the NATO will boost or weaken the EU in terms of defense and security policy. At the end of the day, the first test of this possible conflict of interests will probably still be the war in Ukraine. Both the Union and the Alliance have shown that they have been key players in the response to Russia's war. But it is easier to agree on the aim of supporting Ukraine than on the optimal end-game strategy for the outcome of the war, which could be different for NATO and EU interests. Thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for the next chapters as this is only the first episode about the geopolitical shift of the European Union.